All right, everyone. For episode 12, we have a guy coming on the show who's been in the podcast game for quite some time now. He's got over a thousand episodes to his name on his own podcast called uh, Fitness Confidential. Ironically enough, it was one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to when I kind of went on my own high fat journey nearly seven years ago. Both Sean and I have been guests on his show in the past. He is the author of a book called Fitness Confidential. He's known to many as Hollywood's celebrity trainer, but don't let that fool you because this guy pumps out all kinds of free information for anyone looking to go down a health and fitness journey. He is the mastermind behind the no sugar, no grains approach and is currently working on a documentary called Fat the Documentary, which should be coming out early next year. Our guest today is the one and only Vinny Tortorich. He, he, three or four times yeah 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 it's it's been a little bit but it's uh uh it was it's been fun to go on the show a couple times so so we're recording right now zach yeah we're live good. not live good. technically okay. but we're recording okay okay so, so i was on vinny's show twice and i got to i got to uh, actually go to vinny's place and meet the lovely serena and uh had i had a great time with vinny and then uh, it was great to uh, have vinny back on um Vinny, you got you got a big project coming up. You know your movie. That's a new thing for you, and and we need, we need to talk about that. We can talk about some of the other stuff. Some of the some of the stuff as it performs, or pertains to performance, because I know you've been you've been an athlete and training your whole life and trained people, and you wrote the fitness confidential book, and you've uh, you know had all the training. We can talk about the training, the, the the absolute errors that you see probably, and some of the some of the silly stuff that goes on and uh, all that stuff. So we got a lot of stuff we can talk. And of course, the no sugar, no grain stuff. But um, Vinny, let me let me ask you a question, just because, and I because I've, I've been there, and I've talked to you in the internet, and I know how sincere you are about this, and I know that you you know you're you're seeing the impact that it has on people's lives, and I know one of the things that because you 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 you've been entertaining people and you realize that you know entertainment's what sells you got to you got to you got to do the stuff you got to do to get the people there but at the bottom line you're 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 doing it from a sincere standpoint and I think that's what's driving you to make the movie I know we talked about movie stuff in the past and I know that you said you at this point I heard you on another show and you said what compelled you to do this new documentary was that you had control and were felt like you're being compromised in any way and you you could say what you want to say so tell us about the new movie how how what's going on with that and what where the direction is on that yeah, yeah a lot of questions there Sean. oh by the way Sean before we get into that I just want to tell you this I always get a big chuckle out of this um uh, you know someone said on Twitter yesterday Hey, man, love you. Listen to all your shows. Uh, you're great. By the way, uh, you should have that guy, Sean Baker, on. And I went, <laughs> oh, I thought you said you listen to all my shows. Yeah, I do, man. I love your show. Never miss a show. You need to get that Sean Baker guy on. Do, do you even know who he is? And I'm like, if you listen to all you will know he's been on at least twice. And uh, yeah, it, that always amazes me how people go, oh, man, I love you. Listen to everything. Uh, by the way, uh, the guy you had on two weeks ago, when are you going to have him on? <laughs> that always drives me nuts. Uh, they the must movie. wait for your podcast to season for three weeks before they tune into it or something like that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. You know, people say that about you. Hey, man, I listen to all the shows. You ever hear of Zach Bitter? Uh, yeah. 
I, I, I was probably the first podcast to have the guy on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were some of the early days. I was a newbie yeah, at that you point. You weren't even living in California back then. You were live. You were a school teacher somewhere, just running around. Yep. Running mm-hmm. in circles and beating everybody. And uh, <laughs> good old days. Um, but Sean, to answer your question about the podcast, about the the thing, you know, several people over the years. Uh, you know, I'm in Hollywood, and and there's always everyone wants to do a movie and. Whenever I would talk to my friends that do documentaries and stuff like I, Adam Carolla is a buddy, and I say, Adam, well, you do documentaries. He goes, Hey, man, I'm doing a documentary. You don't want to do a documentary. Oh, my God. You, you never see the money. Oh, my God. Because they cost a lot to do, and you don't make a lot of money out of documentaries. It's not like a lot of times you don't get your money back. So you have to do it for the love of wanting to do it. Right. And, you know, Every now and then, somebody would come to me with a great idea. Hey, I, I could get money, and we could do this, and let's do a documentary. And I would go, okay, all right, that, that's great, Let, let's do it. And then they would go, okay, yeah, I, I got this group. They're going to give us $300,000. We got a green light. They, they're very interested in having you because you have a voice in this community, and you're, you're somewhat entertaining or funny or whatever. And I would go, okay, this is, so far this is all sounding good. Let me bring this to my attorney. And then they would go, oh, by the way, um, they want you to say this, that, and the other thing. And I would go, well, well that's not a documentary. That's an infomercial. <laughs> and they would go, what do you mean? It's like, well, they're giving the money, but they want me to skew the information in their direction. And I would go, yeah, okay, we can't do that. It's not going to happen. I'm not willing to do that for anyone, right? And just recently, and Sean, you may even know this kid's name. This kid came to me after that last vegan propaganda film, What the Health. By the way, I don't want to do anything like What the Health, where they just make up, you know, it's just made up. Well, they, they I mean, that movie, they, they obviously, they made the movie on paper and then they just got stuff they to support whatever they wanted to say i mean it was it was clearly not a uh, you know a, a study in anything in reality it was just you know we're going to make this fantasy and then put people in there and tell them to say whatever we're going to say well you know i was watching a movie and you know at the beginning of the movie they're like well if you give your kid a hot dog that's like smoking five cigarettes a day okay uh, and then later on it's like if you eat an egg uh then they, they said, okay, that would be like two 747s crashing every day. That's how many people die from eggs per day. There, it's like, where is this coming from? This is just made up stuff. Uh, to the point where the, the head guy, Kip, walked into the head of the ADA, uh, you know, and by the way, didn't even have the respect to dress nice. And he just walked in with like a stained T-shirt and a man bun. And he's got a <laughs> piece of paper in his hand. He's wagging a piece of paper going, hey, bro. Hey, bro, I have a study right here, bro. And, and this study says you're killing people. Why are you killing people, bro? And the guy from the ADA is like, I, I don't even know what you have in your hand. I, what, what, who are you? You know, you're killing people, bro. Why are you kill-? And I'm like looking at this going, what a piece of schlock. You know, and maybe my favorite one of all, um, they found one doctor who was African-American and vegan and 
they got this guy to say on camera that eating meat is institutionalized racism. <laughs> and I was like, why? And that was just aside from that. That was a, by the way, no, it was dairy. He goes, dairy, eating dairy is institutionalized racism. And I was like, what? How did you even get to that? I, I, yeah, I don't know how they can make that. <laughs> it's like I was trying in my mind, I was trying to make a leap. It's like, okay, they, they used uh, an African American. He's a vegan. Looks like he can lose 75 pounds, but that's just me. And he's there, you know, espousing how dairy is instituted. And I'm like, going, I can't, I couldn't make a leap with the, the hot dog being five cigarettes. How in the hell am I going to make this leap? Right. Yeah, so, it's, it's right, crazy. Yeah. It, it is right, Zach. I mean, it's nuts. I, I saw the egg one the other day. The egg per cigarette one pop up on on Twitter or something like that. I was just, you know, it's like, yeah, I eat like probably twenty ish eggs a week, and um, you know, it's like, if it's that bad, then I guess like you know, I'm gonna die from whatever cigarette smoking causes in the next few years. <laughs> yeah, apparently, according to them. Eggs cause emphysema if you do the math, because that's how you. Uh, Sean's a doctor, isn't that what people die of when they smoke emphysema? Yeah, emphysema is pretty common with smoking. I mean, certainly. So you'll get that with eating eggs, apparently. I would, well, I would imagine. Well, being a doctor, Sean, how many inf egg emphysema cases did you treat in your lifetime? You know, I, I have not seen, surprisingly, as, as, as you might expect, it might be really common because we eat a lot of eggs, but I've never seen a case of egg emphysema. So it must be just a, just a, a strange phenomenon that I have no, have never seen one. Well, and I don't I, I don't understand with the eggs either because like you know an egg essentially like an unfertilized egg, which is what the ones we are eating are. It's like well, where are they where are they going if we don't eat them at that point? So like I'm I don't really understand the argument there. I mean from the I guess if you're going to try to pinpoint it as something that's not healthy, but uh, if you're pinpointing it as like an inhumane thing, then I'm not really connecting those dots other than like, I guess if you have like birds caged up in small spaces and forcing them to lay eggs versus like, you know, a free range chicken or something like that. But um, yeah, it seems like that's a kind of a no brainer for someone who is opposed to eating meat would be to eat eggs. Well, let me answer that question for you, Zach. Let, let, let me give you, let me connect a dot or two for you. Behind every good vegan is PETA. A lot of the propaganda that's pushed by the vegan community, they're, they're tangentially connected to PETA, right? Mm -hmm. So PETA, I say Peter, but it's PETA. And um, these are people who hate other humans. That's the only way I can describe PETA. Um, uh, people don't realize that at the core of PETA, do you realize that uh, if, if PETA got everything they wanted, like in other words, let's say that they can make the whole chicken problem go away because the dot that you, you need to connect is those poor chickens are cooped up all day long, no pun intended, <laughs> and um, they are just making eggs. Now, do I, do I feel like factory farming is good? Absolutely not. I love, you know, I personally eat free range chicken. Uh, everybody I know eats free range chicken, uh, meaning my family and everyone around me. So that's the way we like to roll. But the bottom line is they don't want to see, and I don't want to see it either. 
But that's where that comes from. That's why, you know, the thing against the egg, this is not about helping humans live longer. This is about the way chickens are treated. So, and by the way, if, if PETA had their way, we wouldn't have pet dogs or pet cats because they would say, we're, we're keeping these animals uh, as indentured slaves for our pleasure, and they should just be released on the street to go live the life they want to live. That's what Peter really thinks, in, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, I'm looking at my dog right now as he just got back from the groomers as he's chilling out, stretching out on the carpet <laughs> there. Yeah, he looks like he's, 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 he's working hard as a slave for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was just having, I was just sharing macadamia nuts with my dog, Stella, and uh, she ain't going anywhere. If I open a door and open a front gate and go, flee, go, do what you want to do, she would go, what the F, old man? She'll be I'll back at dinner time. Exactly. I like when you pop me those macadamia nuts in the afternoon, you know? <laughs> So, Vinny, the movie, because now, so now you've got kind of the venue you want. You're not beholden to anybody. You're kind of driving the show, I understand, on this new movie. And you, it's tentatively called Fat. Is that what I hear? What, We're calling what, the movie Fat, a documentary. <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, it's like, what are we going to call this? And it's like, we're going to call it Fat. Awesome. And what, so what, where are you at? I know you're still fundraising. I know you I saw you hit half your, your sort of, you've already hit half your uh, goal in just a couple of weeks, which is great, great news to hear. Uh, I assume once you hit your goal, then you guys begin filming, or are you already in the filming stages, or where are you at in the production uh, standpoint so far? Uh, that's two questions. I'll, I'll answer them both. Uh, we have 19 days left on Indiegogo. You can go You can go to fatdocumentary.com, and it'll take you right to it. And I'll give you that again at the end of the show. But um, right now, we're at 51% of our goal. Uh, we, we want to do it. We're going to do it for $150,000, which is pittance when it comes to doing this. And right now, as we speak, we're coming up on $77,000. We're at 51%. Um, so we're not at the halfway point yet, and we've already accomplished half of our money. Um I'm very proud of the way it's going. Every day the money just seems to trickle in. Uh, for anyone who's wondering about this, I will not make a dime from this movie. Not one single red penny. I, 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 that $150,000, as a matter of fact, Adam Carolla's people said to me, how are you planning on doing this for $150,000? I got filmmaker Peter Pardini who lose weight using my method you know, NSNG style, basically kind of what you do, Sean, except a little easier because I, I believe that people should eat vegetables. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, Vinny, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, people don't believe that people shouldn't either. It's, I think it just depends on the person, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're NSG. All the time about you, Sean, I say, Oh no, this guy's crazy. I went, no, Sean, Sean does not believe and just eating meat, he's doing that as an experiment and proving that you could do this, which I like it. And I think it's one of the greatest experiments of all time. And well, it's, it what it's doing is it's slapping nutritional dogma upside the head, you know, going as far away from it and saying, look, you guys are totally wrong. And so, but yeah, I agree that there are, there are all kinds of people that can eat fruit and vegetables and different things, low sugar fruits, vegetables, avocados. Many people do well with that. There's a there's a subset of people that do better with less of those, and so we need to find out who those folks are. But tell people what NSNG, the people that that have not that have been under a rock for the last couple of years, what that means. Because I don't know if everyone knows knows what that terminology is. Yeah, it's it's actually a trademark uh, that I own. Uh, NSNG stands for No Sugars, No Grains, 
it's an easy way to just remember how to eat. If it's a grain, don't eat it. If it's a sugar, don't eat it. And there's a lot of nuance in there. But um, if people just follow what I do on Twitter, I give free advice all day, every day, and people can see what we're doing there. Or you can go to vinnytoderich.com or go vinnytoderich.com forward slash learn and get a free 25-page uh, PDF. There is nothing to buy. That's it. Uh, I have a book out. You can buy my book, uh, Fitness Confidential, but for free. You can get it all, like the Reader's Digest version, at VinnyTotaries.com for free. And there's never anything to buy. Uh, my, my thing is I'm giving it away for free. Um, and the same thing I'm doing with this documentary. Um, we're giving it away for free. Uh, I, you know, I'm, Well, we're going to put it up and people are going to be able to buy it on, on whatever, but we're doing it. I'm not getting a fee for this. Peter Pardini, the guy who's coming off of one of the biggest documentaries from last year uh, about the band Chicago, he was the guy that did that one. And they it, it took millions of dollars to make that documentary. They had to clear a lot of music and everything. Uh, but Peter was the guy who made that movie, and he came to me and said, we can do this, and you don't have to go to anyone for money. We'll just fundraise this and do it ourselves. That way, no one can ever say, oh, yeah, you took money from the Beef Council or you took money from the Ag Council or, oh, yeah, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Cattlemen's Association gave you the money. No, no one's giving me money except people who want to see this documentary get made. And, you know, this is another thing that people may not realize, but you were a cancer survivor. You, you, you outlined, I read your book a couple of years ago, Fitness Confidential, which is a great book, by the way. But that's something, I mean, you have, you know, you, you've been through this and you know what, you know, compromised health is, is about. And I think that's one of the things that potentially uh, propels you to, to want to do this stuff. It, it really is, Sean. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, a militant vegan was on uh Twitter the other day. I never answer these people. I just let them spew. And he was going, yeah, this guy's telling you to eat meat. He almost died of cancer. Well, when I almost died of cancer, I was giving the don't eat, don't eat grains advice, sugars advice <clears throat> to all of my clients. And that was almost 11 years ago. What I was doing for myself, I'm, I was like Zach back then. I was an ultra cyclist uh, for for the better part of 15 or 16 years, I, I did every 24-hour mountain bike race, every every road race except race across America. I was just one of those guys on the bike 15,000 miles a year. And the most convenient way to eat on the bike is to eat goo and to eat hammer mm -hmm. nutrition, sustained energy, and all this sugary crap. Uh, that's when I almost died of cancer. Um, they told me my cancer would come back within five years. Um, I'm almost 11 years out, and I still have no cancer. So, uh, yeah, cutting out sugars and grains, you know, has watered my cancer off for almost 11 years now when I was told that no one's ever gone into a sixth year uh, without this cancer coming back. I mean, that's great. That's a great success story. You know, Vinny, one of the things we had uh, Dave Feldman on the show the other day, and one of the things we brought up, or, or, or Zach actually brought up, was the fact that they looked at ultra marathon runners and they compared the guys that were on a low carb group versus a high carb group. And when they looked at their markers for oxidative stress after those big races, 
the high carb group had tons of oxidative stress and the low carb group had very little. And so certainly if you had a career where you were doing and pounding and doing all those miles and shoving in all the goose and all the, all the sugar, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a different situation from, from just a inflammation and stress standpoint. So I, I, I see your point there. Sean, let, let me capitalize on it just, just for a second. Um, and, and I think Zach would agree with me on this. You know, back in, in, in my mountain bike days, we're talking early, mid-90s, doing those 24-hour events. And I was sponsored back then, so I did a bunch of them every year. I think Zach can tell you what it's like to be sponsored. They want you to race all the time. And we used to think that, oh, yeah, the day after a race, yeah, your calves and your ankles and everything, you look like you had elephantitis, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very lean athletes, but everything in your body would swell up. My wrist, my hands, you would see visible fluid in them, right? You know what I'm talking about, Sean? No, absolutely. I know. And I, that's a, that's, I've heard that re- repeatedly from people in your situation. Yeah. And it's, that, it's painfully obvious. Life. It's painfully obvious too, because like you, if you're at, especially if you're after like an A race, you're pretty lean. Like you're at your leanest point. You're at peak fitness. So like when you get this fluid retention in your ankles, your legs, your hands, wrists, and stuff like that, it's like, you know, that's that's it. Just kind of amplifies its visibility because it's on a pretty lean person's physique on top of it. So, um, it's one of those things that kind of makes you wonder, like, well, you know, what am I doing wrong that this is happening? Or <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what's weird, Zach, is I'm one of those guys, uh, we've never met in person, but, you know, especially in those days, I'm one of those guys where you could see where my, my Achilles tendon comes off of the calcaneus, and you can see it halfway up my leg, and it goes into, you know, my calves, and my calves are really ripped up, right? Mm-hmm. The day after a race, I, I looked like I had elephantitis. You couldn't even see... The, the the bones in my ankle you couldn't my feet i i would have to wear flip-flops i couldn't even get shoes on yeah you, you, know? you have cankles yeah that's what they yeah yeah cankles. Well, you're absolutely and that's kind of that's kind of one of the reasons that kind of we've talked about this a bit in previous episodes but that was one of the kind of early signs that i noticed when i was in my mid-20s and i was my thought was like this isn't normal for someone who's supposed to be kind of in the prime of their physical like you know state uh, to be having like, you know, swelling in your legs and ankles and things after big workouts and training blocks and races and things like that. And, you know, like, it, you know, to kind of go back to what you were saying before about some of the, you know, the content that you've put out there and stuff is, you know, I kind of learned through podcasts originally because I was training like 20 hours a week and I was looking to kill two birds with one stone. Uh, so I started listening to podcasts and then like fact checking stuff when I would hear things that were interesting. And, you know, Vinny, your show, your podcast, which I think is over a thousand episodes now, was one of the first ones that I kind of started listening to. And uh, that's back when you were kind of, you know, kind of really pushing the, the no sugar, no grain thing uh, in the early stages of your podcast. And uh, uh, so that type of information, um, the fact that you can get to it for free like that is, is pretty cool. So like those tools are out there to kind of figure these things out if you're willing to kind of keep your own, your ears and your minds open a little bit and uh, not be afraid to kind of connect some of those dots from from that standpoint. You know, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Um, that free PDF, you know, back in the early days when you started listening to me, and you're right, we're up to almost 1,100 episodes now. Um, you, you know, 
people have said to me, you know, take the PDF, you know, like I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big time businessman, a guy, he, he drives around in a Bentley, he's that kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he's always interested in money. He, he's, uh, he, he's, a, he's a hedge fund guy. All they do is talk about money. And I'm disinterested by money. As long as I have enough money to live, I'm fine. And um, <clears throat> he said to me, he goes, hey, uh, so how do you make money on that podcast? And I go, well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm always hoping that it'll pay for itself. That, that's all I can hope. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. You know, we're a pretty big podcast now. And, you know, I have to pay Anna something. You know, she's a talent. Gina Grant's a talent. I have to give her something. Um, my daughter, Tallulah, worked for me. You know, she puts those shows up. And, and then there's this woman, Debbie. And I said, I, I literally have a lot of people working for this thing. And, you know, then there's the bandwidth and all that. And um, he was like... Uh, so do you you make any money? And I was like, no, nah, I really don't make it on that. Uh, but I, you know, I make some money on my vitamin company, and I make I also own a company called PureCoffeeClub.com. And I said that makes me enough money so that I don't have to go charge for anything else. So he, I guess after the conversation, he went home and he pulled up VinnyTortoris.com and he downloaded the PDF. And he goes, hey, I, I have the whole PDF here. Um, there's a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? He goes, there, there's no clickbait. It just goes right. You get the whole PDF. I didn't have to pay. So you could be making money on that. And I said, no, I'm just giving it away. And he goes, how many you reckon you've given away? And I said, well, I can tell you exactly. man. I've given just past 80,000 of them away. And uh, he said, wow. I said, wow, what? He goes, you could have made, if you just charged $10, which he goes, I'm sure everyone who's downloaded it would have paid the 10 bucks. He goes, you have any idea how much money you would have right now? I said, well, yeah, according to what I have, I'd have almost a million dollars. And he goes, yeah. He goes, why are you giving it away? And I said, because I got to live. You know, I made it through cancer. And this is, when, when you're dying of something and you start looking at your life and you go, what have I done? Like, wh what have I done? Okay, I, I spent 30 years counting backwards from 10. Who gives a shit? You know, I was a trainer. You know, I spent years riding mountain bikes, playing football. Who gives a shit? Nobody remembers that. Will anyone remember anything I did in life? And I'm about to die here. And the answer was no. So that's why I give everything away for free. I'm, I'm just trying to... The next time I die, I can die with people going, eh, that Vinny was a pretty nice guy. Well, I'm sure the vegans won't think that a whole lot. <laughs> well, you know, and, it, and this is something, Vinny, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll agree with that. It's, it's not just that, you know, uh, you know, you're able to do that. I think that's just wonderful. 80,000 people. I mean, that's, you know, you know, you've, you created no barrier. You know, basically all I got to do is not a click on a computer. Uh, there's no barrier to get this knowledge. And I think that's tremendous. And, you know, you've got people out there that literally – you know, they may not have the money to, to do that. And so you've, you've kind of, you know, there's people that have plenty of money and they'll spend money in other places if needed. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm sure you do the same thing. You get the same thing that I do, that you get all these people constantly telling you how you've improved their health, their life. You know, it's, it's you know, like when I was replacing people's knees, I would their knee would feel better. But now when you're out there, change, you know, just dramatically changing everything about them through lifestyle and diet, it is such a huge transformation. And to get that, 
I'm sure you get it on a daily basis. People telling you, Vinny, I, you know, my life's changed. I, this went away. This disease went away. I lost weight. I feel better. My mental outlook's better. That also plays in, in, into some of this. It kind of drives you forward, I think. It, it does, uh, Sean. Um, I don't know about you, because, um, but you're in the same situation. It's almost like I tell people, they go, well, what's it? You're just this guy walking around now, you know, I show up in the city and people show up to buy me a drink type of thing. And um, even, you know, your audience doesn't know this, but my better half um, is pretty famous. She's a Bond girl and all that kind of stuff. And she started saying about a year ago, she goes, you're now more famous than me. We go places and no one recognizes me, but they recognize you. And that's all pretty heady stuff. And it wasn't what, what I set out to do. Um, and it is weird to me when people go, hey, you've saved my life. You know, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I don't know about you, Sean, but I'm, you're a doctor, so you've been saving lives. So you might be used to that sort of thing, but I don't know what to do with that kind of information, to be honest with you. Um, when people say that, you know, I, I just go, wow, I, you know, it wasn't me, it was you. Don't. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. I'm just a nerd who was doing this weird shit, right? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just congratulate the people and tell them it's it's good to hear and you know, kind of go on and you know, tell them to keep. What I try to tell them to do is, okay, you know, maybe I've helped you. Go help someone else. Take this information that you had, you know, and tell them about you know, meat heels or tell them about no sugar, no grain. You've got the information. You know, one story made a difference in your life. Your story can now become the catalyst for somebody else. And I think this is how this, this movement grows. Cause you know, as well as I do, you know, when you talk about no sugar, no grain, I mean, it's in every damn bit of food out there in a grocery store, save a very few things. So, I mean, sugar and grain is in everything. And I would add vegetable oils to that, you know, and I know we talked about it, but, but I think, you know, it's a, it's an uphill battle and, you know, it's, it's an, one guy, you, me, a couple of the guys can't do it ourselves. You need the people that whose lives have been impacted to then go tell their sister, go tell their neighbor down the street, go tell the, the mailman, you know, where this stuff is coming from. And this is how uh, I think the neat thing now that we didn't have, you know, 20 years ago is we've got this such, you know, the way that social media is so ingrained in everyone's lives, you know, every, you know, for good or bad. You know, there's a lot of bad things about it. Everybody's attached to their cell phone. They can't walk down the street without tripping over, a, you know, a, a dog because they're looking at their cell phone. But at the same time, there's information that's being shared at rapid speed. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're changing nutritional dogma at, at light speed. Something that might have taken 20 years of study. Now we're getting people to, to kind of adopt and see and we can get the feedback right away. And I think it's a great, you know, I think it's just a great thing. I agree, Sean, and that is one of the main reasons I, I want to do the documentary because, you, you know, people still watch television, you know, even though it's it's a weird medium, but people watch television and we, you know, we can put this thing out on, on that, in, in that media and, uh, and get it, you know, get this moving faster. And Someone wrote to me last week and go, hey, this movie Magic Pill came out. I guess there's no reason for you to do the movie now. And it's like, no, that's more reason. Magic Pill opened the door. And um, I'm hoping my documentary is not the, the only one. I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of other documentaries coming out. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know of two or three that, that are coming out. And we're all talking around the same thing, but there's so much information that needs to get out there. I think that there needs to be more than 
one or two documentaries on this. You know, just like the vegans are very good about getting their message out in movies like Fork Over Knives and Cowspiracy and, and you know, uh, What the Health and all these bullshit documentaries where they're lying to people. My thing is, hey, what if we got everybody together and started telling the truth? How cool would that be? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean that, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, it's, and, and speaking of I know they've got another documentary coming out. They're going to call it The Game Changer, and it focuses on some vegan athletes, you know, some guys that, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the next sort of thing to push. And, and, and quite honestly, to their credit, that's been very effective to them. It's converted a lot of people over to veganism. And I don't know if you're aware of this. I just started this uh, – group for recovering vegans i've got and i'm totally serious about it. i want to help the folks out because you see a lot of people whose lives are harmed you know you know most of the people that take up veganism tend to be these younger kids that, that, that don't know any better and they think they're doing it for the animals when really it really isn't making that much of an impact maybe they're even hurting more animals potentially and then they end up with you know four or five years of their life wrecked they're mentally uh, a lot of times you know have, have had problems with that and we've got you know, just a whole bunch of people already ex-vegans all over the place saying, don't do it. It's a big mistake. But this film Game Changers, you know, they're featuring these guys that, you know, they're athletes that got strong as omnivores, you know, then switched over to veganism for a little bit. Let me ask you a question, because you trained a lot of athletes over the year, a lot of people, a lot of trainers. How successful were you with, were you, with you know, because I've got, there's another guy, I'm sure you know of him, Charles Poliquin. You know, he's commented that it's impossible, you know, to make a vegan athlete very good. <laughs> And he's, you know, he's spoken fairly critically about that. Have you sort of seen the similar thing? I know in Hollywood, there's probably a fair bit of that going on. Uh, it is. Um, and by the way, the, the, the amateur the athletes I'm talking about are amateur athletes. But hey, we can even say Zach Bitter is an amateur athlete, but he's not, you know. So and, and I never got to train anyone at Zach's level. Uh, so let me be very, very clear about that. Um, but um you know, when triathlons, I'll use triathlon, when that became very popular and, you know, I don't know if most people know this, but triathlons are for rich housewives, right? Guys, women that, you know, they drop the kids off at school, they don't have to work, the husband makes way more than enough money and they can afford expensive bikes and wetsuits and to fly around and go swim, run and cycle in another state or country. Um, but you know, starting in the late 1990s, going into 2000, when that got big, I started getting hired a lot because I was the guy that knew how to get people to go long, right? And in Hollywood, <laughs> some of these people were, were vegans and they would go, look, you know, I, I'm a vegan and this is not going to change. And uh, it, it was a lot of problems, uh, especially because the sugar does so well at shoring them up while they're doing the exercise, right? Um, so they can eat a lot of sugar. Look, it's working. All I got to do is just keep putting these goo chomps in my mouth or, you know, whatever, these jelly bean jelly bellies in my mouth and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, you're not doing yourself any good. But then when I, I would have someone who was eating meat doing so much better and getting more power on the bike, getting more power on the run, even though they were also still eating sugar, those people would look over and go, as a matter of fact, they would say to me, uh, you think I should start taking steroids? It was like, that's never a good option, number one. 
Yeah, that's never the answer. Number one, it's cheating. Number two, you're going to hurt yourself. That's not a good option. And if you want what I call the poor man's EPO, just go eat some red meat. And in a lot of cases, I was able to get them to go back to red meat. And they would go, why, why wasn't I doing this? Why did I stop doing this? And I would always go, yeah, why indeed? Why did you stop? Now, I did have one or two who was hell-bent on remaining vegans. You just have to convince those people to consume a lot of olive oil, avocados, <laughs> a ton of olives, you know, just any vegan food that has a lot of fat in it. But it's almost impossible to get them to do that because for some reason they think any kind of fat. A lot of vegans have this, this weird eating disorder with oil and fat. And I think it's because the Esselsteins and I think also Dean Arnish tell people that any kind of oil or any kind of fat is bad, you know, and it's just lies. Did I answer that or did I go around it too much? No, I mean, I think you got you got the main point, Vinny. But I mean, what do you so let me ask you a question, because you, you, you tell everybody no sugar, no grain. What do you tell people to eat? Just just what is your kind of your take on what you think people should eat uh, in general? Basically, you stick to um, the four main food groups, red meat, pork, fish and chicken. And if you really, really, really have to, you can have some turkey. Um, but I'm just not a turkey. I don't get turkey. Um, so I tell people to eat that, and they'll go, well, what else? They go, vegetables. And they'll go, okay, what else? I go, what else do you need? <laughs> but, you know, you, you want to be an optimal athlete. You want to lose weight. You want, you know, you know just, you know, vegetable and, and meat products. There, there you, is nothing else. Vinny, do you, do you consider avocado a vegetable or a fruit? I consider it a fruit. It's one of the three or four fruit that I allow. Um, uh, avocado is a fruit, uh, right. and it's one of the best fruits uh, I can find. Uh, I say the same thing about olives. People go, which fruit can I have? I go, avocado and olives. And they'll go, yeah, but th that's not fruit. And I go, well, technically they are. Uh, but aside from that, if you want to have the occasional berry or cherry, knock yourself out. But just know you're adding a lot of sugar in. Yeah, you know, what you said was uh, kind of resonated with me in, in one aspect that uh, I always find kind of interesting, and I was certainly guilty of this when I first kind of started getting into the approach, was when you kind of follow a, you know, an approach like that you have like the no sugar, no grains, or like what Sean has with the carnivore stuff or um, my keto type stuff, like I think people's first thought, and it's the first roadblock they need to get over is that they start right away. Their mind automatically goes to what can I not have on this? And then they fixate on all these things that they can't have. And that just creates this roadblock in their mind. When, when you look at even some of the more restrictive approaches, quote unquote restrictive, um, there's still a lot of really good options. And those options tend to be some of the more savory, more satisfying, more energy delivering type foods. So when you stop thinking about what you can't have and start thinking about what you can have, it just kind of flips that psychological thing around a little bit. And then you start kind of getting creative with the stuff that is within the parameters. Then you start feeling better and it just starts to snowball and spiral. And then, you know, once you're a few weeks in, then it's like a lot of these people, they're, like, they're not looking back. They don't, they don't even want that other stuff anymore. Zach, absolutely right. And you're too young to know this, but I, I think Sean can agree with me. Parents will ask me all the time about the kids. And they'll say, well, 
um, I give my kid fruit juice to take to school and I'll say, no, that's off the table. And they'll say, well, what, what is my kid supposed to drink at school? I'll say, well, there's water. Most schools have water fountains. <laughs> and, uh, and usually there's milk in the cafeteria. And they'll go, water and milk? What are you? And I'll go, well, wait a minute. When I was a kid, and Sean, you might agree with me. When we went to school, there were two things you could drink. There was water and there was milk. There was nothing else. Did, did you guys have anything else at your school? You're, we're the same age, right, Sean? I'm a couple, just a few years younger. Yeah, but I mean, pretty much it was a water fountain. I mean, that was your, your, you like to hang out at the water fountain. You know, here's an interesting thing. In Paris, they've just installed carbonated water fountains because so many it's, it's serious so many people are drinking bottled water and they're trying they're trying to get rid of this bottled water problem you know with all the bottles the plastic bottles and so they've actually installed these like perrier type water fountains they, they carbonate the water there in paris so that's an interesting aside but i do have another question about that Vinny, because i find that dairy for some people is is a plus or a minus what has been your experience and your recommendation with regarding high levels of dairy in the diet Right down the middle. Um, <laughs> I, I, and by the way, this is my own little. Uh, um, some people can handle. Um, well, when it comes to dairy, I always say heavy cream is usually always on the table. Uh, uh, butter is always on the table. Things like creme fraiche, always on the table. You know, mascarpone cheese, which is a high fat Italian kind of creme fraiche. And then your high fat cheeses. Um, most people can lose weight on that stuff. Other people, if they look at cheese, they will stop losing weight. I don't find uh, any of my clients or myself or anyone gets any inflammation from dairy products unless they're drinking milk and this sort of thing uh, where it's just nothing. Milk is like a glass of sugar because it's nothing but, you know, in this country it's 4% milk fat. So that means there's a lot of lactose. That means you have a lot of lactose, which is sugar, going straight to your liver. It doesn't pass going. It doesn't collect $200. It just goes right through your stomach. Uh, so people go, wait, you say dairy's good, but I can't have milk? Look, if you want to have a glass of milk now and again, you can probably handle it. Uh, but from, from what I could tell, half the people can handle all dairy the other half can't and if you're the person who cannot you can probably still have clarified butter or ghee as it's called and you can still do that uh, where do you fall on it sean well I, I, the same way i think you know some people certainly you know particularly with lactose there's so many people that are just completely lactose intolerant so they can't handle the you know particularly we have we've always had this push for skim milk and i drank a ton of skim milk as a kid because we thought it was the right thing to do and a healthy thing it turns out that's a, you know it's kind of a pretty high sugar bomb but um you know i find that uh people will do again the same thing they'll handle butter they'll handle some of the hard cheeses a little bit of the high fat like creams and stuff like that and even occasionally some of the some of the you know high fat greek yogurt type stuff for, for some people but there's many people that also will find that same situation they'll stall weight loss if they take too much dairy in it will cause you know maybe maybe a little mucus production or congestion for some people and i get it, it's it's highly highly variable and i think it probably you know if we were to look at this probably some of the people from the scandinavian northern european countries where dairy was introduced earlier into the population probably have had more tolerance for that and people in africa and, and you know mid east asia probably have less tolerance for that if we just were to try to make a broad uh, guess on that stuff but it is kind of variable you know yes yeah. i don't know. I don't have a guess whatsoever, but I, I, you know, I would side with that, and, and you know, that that might even be something to look into. 
you know? Yeah, you know, I had an interesting experience with that because as a kid, I would have all kinds of dairy and didn't have any issues with it. And then once I kind of got past college, I started noticing it wasn't really agreeing with my system very much anymore. Um, so I went quite a while without having it and at one point cut it out altogether. Um, and then after kind of like just eliminating for a while, tried some, some raw cheese and that didn't seem to agree with me all that well. Um, but then I, I had talked to a friend who is really into like fermenting stuff and he told me to get some like, uh, some dairy cultures, uh, and try to ferment the, ferment the dairy and start from there with just little bits of it. And then kind of once you've had that in your system for a while, then maybe try bringing back the raw cheese and some of those more like right on the lines, like what you were saying, Vinny, and those acceptable things like the, the full, the full or the, the heavy whipping cream, the, the butters and that sort of thing, the high fat cheeses, hard cheeses. Um, and after I did that for about, I think it was probably about six weeks with the, with the dairy cultures. Uh, now I can do some, like I can do a couple servings of raw cheese. I can put some heavy whipping cream in my, in my coffee. And, um, as long as I don't go back to the commercial dairy, like the skim milk, 2% milk or whatever you find on the, the generic shelf like that, then I do all right with it now. So I think there is probably something into kind of looking into like the, the bacteria and how that's kind of reacting with your own specific digestive tract, di digestion, digestion. Um, and then everyone's going to be on a different spot. So then we're going to have people that for whatever reason, probably maintain the bacteria in their gut that could kind of handle the dairy at a, at a higher rate. And then folks like me who couldn't for a while and then maybe fixed it somehow. <laughs> Well, I think you. I think you're absolutely right, uh, Zach. You know, one of the things um, that that you know they're they're saying now with kids. You know, all these kids have these peanut allergies and what have you. Mm -hmm. And now they're saying, look, the way to get your kid not to have a peanut allergy is right after your kid's born, whenever they start eating hard food, start mushing up some peanut butter and and, and putting it in their food. And once they're introduced to it, you know, they won't have an allergy to it. It was because we, we, you know, we got away from it and we caused this whole situation, you know? Yeah. yeah and I've what seen is, stories of people actually, someone who already had the allergy too, they would like take like an eighth of a half slice of a peanut and start with that. And then they'd see maybe a little bit of a reaction. But then if they just kind of kept pinging it with that little bit, that small reaction away, and then they just increased a little and just kind of kept doing that until the allergy essentially got, um, nearly eliminated yeah i mean that's a, that's a not an uncommon strategy that allergists will 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 implement you know kind of it's kind of a desensitization process but one of the things i've seen and i'll, I'll touch on a couple of points because you brought up the gut health and allergies you know i've seen that that some people they come in with you know very i would assume inflamed gastrointestinal tracts a lot of problems with gastric uh, intestinal permeability with the so-called leaky gut i've seen people recover from that by going on you know, different types of diets, either no sugar, no grain, or a carnivorous diet. And then once they've kind of healed that, then they're able later to maybe tolerate some foods again that they weren't able to tolerate in the past. And I think that's a unique phenomenon. I'm sure you've probably seen something similar to that too, Vinny. And then the other point is just allergies in general have gone up over the years. You know, we talked about peanut allergies, but just general seasonal allergies, pollen allergies, everybody's in there, you know, chugging the Claritin and, you know, blowing their nose. And, you know, they've got all these things that, that are out there trying to to help us fight off allergies. But something that I've also seen is people eliminate sugars, grains, processed, you know, vegetable oils, their allergy symptoms tend to get better. And I don't know if it's just less damage, which subsequently leads to less inflammation. 
you know, which makes you, you know, less susceptible to these allergies. I don't know if you've seen anything similar to that. Has anybody said their allergies got better when they eliminated sugar and grain in, in your, your experience, Vinny? Uh, yes, I, I see it all the time. Well, I see it in a couple of different places because I, you know, one is, you know, I get, you know, we call them cards and letters, but it's emails. Um, and I, I field over a thousand emails per week. Uh, next to weight loss, that's probably, or, or along with the weight loss, is my acid reflux went away. Uh, I had Crohn's disease. Uh, the doctor says I still have it, but I'm asymptomatic now. Um, you hear um, the acid reflux is a big one. I, it even spills over into my Twitter. People talk about it on Twitter. I, I didn't realize so many people had acid reflux. And they go, oh, wait, as soon as I cut grains out, that was it. Like some people even said, I cut the grains out first and I figured I'd work on the sugar second. But after two weeks of not having acid reflux, I knew I should just cut, you know, just from the grains. And then I cut the sugar out. I haven't had a flare up in six months. Or uh, I hear that about gout too. You know, my doctor told me if I start eating too much meat, my gout will flare up. It turns out my gout problem went away. You know, I'm hearing this stuff. You know, that, that's what drives me so crazy. And that's why I want to do this documentary, because for six years and Serena sits here at night, sometimes Serena starts crying when she reads these stories. And it, some of them are very heartfelt. And it's like they're going, you've saved my life. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't do anything. I just suggested you not eat this crap. You saved your life. Right. And uh, but, yeah, I, I hear that stuff day in and day out. And it, like I said, it spills over into the Facebook, Twitter instagram and everywhere else but they also write to me so I, I see it sean all the time and sean i know you're fairly new to all this it's almost like you were just doing something i look at you and it's like wow he's doing what i did six years ago he just went hey i'm doing this one thing and then people just like the pied piper started following you right and going, hey maybe i'll try to just eat this meat too and see what happens but you must be seeing some of that too now right yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started that website, Meat Heals, because I get these testimonials every day, all day long. I get three or four people, you know, constantly, and I put, I try to put up some of the more interesting stories. But, yeah, I mean, we've only, you know, we've only really been doing it for a couple months, you know, as far as, you know, trying to really, really going big with this stuff. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And I hope, you know, when you do your documentary, that will be a big part, because I think that because there's so many people out there that are suffering from arthritis and reflux and depression and skin issues and all these other things that, that diet has such a huge impact on. And I hope, you know, just by showing those stories on there, because again, I think stories are so, so powerful. And there's people out there saying, well, you've got to have a randomized control trial before we'll do anything. And I don't think that's how people, you know, I don't think that's how people act. A lot of people see that guy had the exact same thing going on as me. I'm going to try it. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I'm at least going to try it. And more often than not, it will work. I mean, you and I know you cut out the garbage out of your food, your health gets better. I mean, it's almost like a no-brainer. The problem is we have people, we have a system where it's like, no, you got to go to the doctor. There has to be randomized trials. The drug companies have to pay for it. Here's a pill for this, which might make your symptoms get a little bit better, but doesn't get rid of your problem. You can still eat your donuts. You can go still eat your, you know, drink your Cokes and just take this pill and, 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 and life won't be quite as bad. You know, Sean, it's funny. I was reading one earlier today. It popped into my email. Um, sometimes people figure out my personal email and they'll, they'll just send me a letter, you know, and it's like, wow, that's pretty clever of them. Um, 
this this girl goes, uh, you just need to know this. And I see this, and tell me if you've seen this one too. She goes, you just need to know this. Uh, I'm 30, I think six or seven, and uh, I've had severe acne my entire life, you know, on my back, on my face, this, that, and the other thing. I went in SNG to lose weight. You know, I, I just cut out all grains, all sugars, and I just went cold turkey. And my mom always said there's going to be a lifetime of, of acne because I had it, my sister had it, my everyone, you know, everyone in my family always had this all this acne. And uh, she says, I barely have any acne anymore. It's all cleared up. Uh, no one in my family can understand it. So I wrote back to her and I said, is anyone else in your family following an SNG? And she said, no. <laughs> right there, I'm sitting there going, how do they not? How do they not just go, I need to do this now? You know, it's kind of funny because, you know, you kind of inhabit, you know, a space in, in the world where you, you talk to people. and Some people call it an echo chamber. But, I mean, when I sit there and I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's so obvious. Why are people still eating this garbage? But then when you go out in the popular, the general population, you wonder how what percentage of, of humanity is actually hearing the message. And again, that's where these things like these movies and these big social media accounts, you know, when you have Beyonce telling you to drink Coca-Cola and go vegan, you know, that reaches millions of people. Those people are influenced by this. And so we have to sort of get back and say, okay, this is a way to reach people. And right now, you know, we see the tide is turning, you know, particularly in the literature, we're seeing studies that support, you know, cholesterol is not the bad guy necessarily. You know, all these studies are supporting this, but that, but that is a really... No one wants, you know, the, the average guy is not reading a research paper. They could care less. I mean, and that's a good thing about you having, you know, very charismatic, entertaining sort of, uh, you know, mannerism that, that you can drive this message. And I, and I, like I said, I'm really excited to see when that comes out. Any idea when that movie you think, what, what's the time frame you guys are looking at? Uh, we want to wrap up funding uh, in the next 18 days. Uh, we're going to start shooting. Uh, pretty quickly after that, we already have a schedule for that. Uh, yesterday, Peter and I met for four and a half hours here at the house. We're on top of this. Uh, even though we don't have the money yet, we already have everything in place. We're ready to go. We're going to shoot it all in pretty short order. And then once we have all the footage shot, uh, we're going to go right in. Uh, we're hoping to have this thing out uh, by the first of the year. That's the other crazy. Everyone's gone. There's no way. There's no way you guys could do this. It's too short. It's too short. But when you have two very motivated people and you're not, and we're the ones doing all the editing, we're doing all the shooting, we're doing it all ourselves, and we're both just two friggin' idiots who we don't know how not to work. Um, and that's what we're doing. We're just, we're, we're getting these interviews. We're hammering them down. The ones that are going to be tough to get, because I, I want to go out and get some of these vegan doctors. Um, I'm going to go out to Dean Ornish, to Esselstein, to Barnard, to Grieger, uh, to all these doctors. And uh, I'm hoping they'll come on. And I, I want to hold their feet to the fire and go, you said, you know, you, back in, you know, 2012, you said this. Where did that information come from? And you want to talk echo chambers, it won't be Kip interviewing these guys. It's going to be me interviewing these guys. And I look very nice to them and casual, but guess what? I'm not going to let them off the hook with their bullshit and lies. They have to answer the questions if they want to be part of this interview. Have you got any any indication that those guys will participate? I I, I don't know that they will. 
None yet. I'm sure I can find some. I don't think the main the main guys. I'm hoping I can get them. And uh, look, I'm going to be as nice to them as I'm going to be to anyone else, right? Uh, I'm not going to treat Nina Teichel's any different than I treat them or Gary Tobbs or anyone else, right? But I'm I, I'm going to very kindly ask them to explain themselves because they're you know they're saying things that I can't substantiate. No one can, they can't even substantiate it, right? So where do these studies come from? I need to know. We need to know. As a community, as a people, you can't just make up stuff. You know, we have a law in this country, Sean, that you cannot walk into a crowded theater and yell fire, right? Because people would just trample all over each other and you would cause mayhem and possibly injury and death, right? So why can these guys just basically run into society and yell fire? and get everybody doing the wrong thing and cause mayhem and death. And they have to answer that. And that's all, that's all I need. I need them to answer those questions. Well, I hope you get, I hope you get one or two of them. I hope they'll stand up. And if they, if they strongly believe they can, they can actually put up and defend that stuff. Hey, Vinny, what are just to change gears one quick time? I'm looking at the, the, the bike you got, you know, I see you on the screen. You got that little, it looks like a spin bike or something behind you. What is your, <laughs> what is your, uh, you know, because you, I mean, you know, I know you're, you're, you, you, you've talked about diet in the film and, and no sugar, no grain, but you also had a part of you is, you know, you took care of people's health from a, from a physical exercise standpoint. I know there's a lot of people say, you know, you can't run out, outrun a bad diet, which is, you know, there's likely some truth to that, but I think exercise is still a very important part of the equation for many people. And so just as a general recommendation, do you have a sort of a, cause I know what I believe is, so I think there's some, some, some important things that everybody should be doing from an exercise standpoint. How do you, how do you get like, say you got the housewife or the middle-aged guy says, Hey Vinny, I just need to get in shape. What is your general strategy? What do you focus on and how do you implement that? Cause I know you do some individual consultations still for people that want to talk to you about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, it goes both ways with me, Sean. Um, if, if someone comes to me and says, I want to be fit, I'll go, well, that's a very broad term. Uh, do you want to be fit? you want to be strong or do you want to be aerobically fit? Now, if I look at them and they look pretty frail, I'll, make, I'll force them into doing weight training. You know, it's like, look, you're losing muscle all the time. Our bodies were not meant to be sedentary, and that's one of the biggest issues we have. Uh, people know I'm famous for saying that exercise is a poor way to lose weight. But I also say that exercise is the most important thing you can do. It's the most important habit you can have. Next, it's even more important than brushing your teeth or wiping your ass, which are just habits, you know. And if you don't, it's a user or loser proposition. And it really disturbs me today that kids aren't exercising at all. I mean, right here in my office, I'm looking behind me now. I have a. Um, a paddle device so I can uh, mimic my paddling so I don't have to go out to the ocean every day to paddle a kayak. And I have a bike sitting there when I can't get out, when I'm busy doing podcasts after podcasts, I can hop on a bike for an hour. I don't have to go get ready and go outside for, you know, to go ride. I could just get it done here. I, I prefer to go out. But when it comes to everyone else, um, I tell people, look, you should do at least six hours of aerobics a week. And they'll go, six hours? That's that's almost an hour a day. And I'm, All right, you're good at math. I got that. <laughs> um, but you should do at least six hours. And they'll go, that's a crazy amount of exercise. I'm not you. And I remind them, look, my grandfather was a janitor. 
And he worked, he was on his feet moving. He was in zone one and zone two all day, every day, uh, his entire life. And he made it to 93 in very good health, right? I, basically, I think he died of, of loneliness after my grandmother died. You know, people used to actually do physical labor all day. To give an hour a day to physical labor you know, should be nothing. That, that should be square one. And uh, if you really wanted to be going ho about it, I would tell you to do another hour of anaerobic exercise a day. Um, uh, or if you could do one or the other, just do it. If, if you take one day and do anaerobic and the next day you do aerobic, yeah. I don't care what you do. If you walk, go outside and walk, that's fine. If you go hiking, going up a hill, that's fine. If you're riding a bike, kayaking, canoeing, fucking half the day. I don't care. <laughs> Just do something, you know? What has been, you know, because you, and you know, like, you know, we've been around for a long time and been, you know, training, exercise and watching the fitness industry evolve. What have been some of the craziest, silliest things you've seen over the years as far as, fitness trends or you know stuff like that if you can if you can remember any of them um th there were a couple of them back in the days when i when i was a model um i used to do stuff and there were some infomercials that i literally said i can't be a part of this one i can't remember the name of the device but it was supposed to be for your abs where you hooked this thing under your feet and there was a spring and you hung on to the other part of it and it actually pulled you up. So it did the exercise for you. Uh, that was one. The shake weight is another one of my favorites. I use that in my uh, documentary trailer. So if you guys even don't want to donate, go look at my trailer at Indiegogo. And it shows the girl with the shake weight. You know, It looks like she's jerking off a, a dumbbell. Uh, that was one of my favorites. There was a, another one that was similar to that. It looked like a Venetian blind that you held in a metal and you went back and forth and it just wobbled back and forth and that was supposed to get you in shape. Um, oh, oh, the power plate. You spent $4,000 for this power plate and you stood on it. It was an oversized vibrator. <laughs> just stood and that was supposed to get you in shape. Yeah, $4,000, right? Um, a lot of my rich clients used to have this thing. I can't remember what it was called. It was in the back of rich guy magazines like the Rob Report and some of these. It was a $15,000 machine guaranteed to get you in shape in four minutes per day. And you just did this machine for four minutes. Uh, one of my clients was a rock star. He bought the machine. It was $15,000. He bought it, but it wasn't in his gym. It was in his front hallway, like in, in a sitting room area. And I said, why is it here? He goes, oh, I, I never planned on using it. I just thought it looked really cool. <laughs> Um, so those are some of the crazier things I've seen over the years. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, you had the thing like the thigh master from Suzanne summer, you know, when I was in, when I was in college, I worked, I worked at UPS loading trucks in the morning, you know, all the stuff that gets delivered. So I go in at four o'clock in the morning, load trucks till about eight o'clock. And then I'd go to school. And I remember when those stupid, whatever they were, these little ab machines or the things that, you know, were obviously garbage, but they would fly out. I mean, people would buy them up by the by the millions it was just amazing how many people would fall for that stuff and one thing i found i'm sure you'll hopefully you'll echo the same sentiment is that there are some basic things you can do basic exercises that work well and as, as long as you continue to do those uh you know you're going to get results you don't need these fancy 
fancy uh, inventions you know so like they there's something like, like people act like they've reinvented exercise and there's some new there's some new toy that's going to make everything work better you're exactly right by the way the machine i'm talking about was called the rom machine r-o-m and i think it stood for something like range of motion machine the rom machine is fifteen thousand dollars so you can still buy one folks if you want um uh suzanne summer's husband took a meeting with me one time uh, because he wanted me to push a product or something. We talked about the Thigh Master, and he mentioned to me that that year, I think it was like 2004 or three, maybe 2002 when I had this meeting. And he said to me, he goes, you know, we haven't advertised that thing in five years, and we still sell over $2 million worth of those things per year. They made all the money, by the way. Um, Suzanne Summers and the husband. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now. Um, but he told me in no uncertain terms, and I'll never forget this. He goes, my wife can sell anything. We could put her next to a pile of dog shit on television and tell people that that dog shit will get you in shape and she will sell millions of them. So if you want to know how the industry treats us, that's how they treat us. Amazing. Goodness. Yeah. Zach, any other questions? No, I think uh, we covered a lot of ground with this one. It was certainly entertaining and informational as well. So kind of kind of a double dip for the for the audience on episode 12. Yeah, video is going to be awesome. Cannot wait to see Fat the film, the documentary when it comes out. So if you guys get out in January, it's going to be cool. It's going to be a, a nice present for the next part of next year. Um, where I know you're you got can you tell us where to reach you Vinny, just so people know and how they can contribute i know this let's let's just say that again so so the people who might want to interested in in helping this this film get off the ground you can easily find me at vinnytortoris.com or find me on twitter or instagram i'm there all day every day talking to people the same way as sean uh also fatdocumentary.com fatdocumentary.com go today Give whatever you can give. If it's five bucks, it's five bucks. If it's a hundred bucks, it's a hundred bucks. But there's a lot of numbers in between those two. Um, you know, we we've had over. Um, I'm looking right now. We're over seventy-seven thousand uh, dollars. So since this show started, we've collected more money. But we do need the full amount, and uh, <laughs> and we're and that's a shoestring budget. So please, folks, go and give fatdocumentary.com. And by the way, guys. Congratulations on getting your podcast off the ground, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, oh, it was fun, Vinny. We'll have to when the movie comes out. We'll have to have you come on again, so we can we can hype it up some more. By then, we'll be uh, Zach and I. We you know Zach and I were both on Rogan's show, and we both were like, we're gonna get we're gonna have to get our archery range and our float tank. And <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy's never had me on. People ask me why, and I said for some reason I don't think he likes me. I've asked to be on when my book came out, and they said no. Um. Don't you know, know, you know maybe maybe with this documentary that'll change things because you know I I don't I have no idea why why he wouldn't want to have you on I mean I think you'd be a great guest for him and and you certainly have kind of a you know more or less a similar message you know we're both trying to we're all trying to help people get healthy and I think he wants to do that you want to do that I want to do that Zach wants to do that so it helps to support everybody in the community so Joe if Rogan if you're listening by chance I don't know if you will but put video on please and if you guys are. You guys that are listening, you know, want to make that happen, you know, you know, maybe you might want to talk to Joe and say, hey. We yeah, like if nothing else, we could talk archery. I also, right out that window, I have an archery range in my backyard. 
um, I've been uh, shooting arrows for years. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll definitely put the links to all that stuff to find Vinny and to the documentary stuff on the show notes too, folks. You'll have an easy way to get to it. Uh, um, yeah, definitely check out his stuff. And um, uh, thanks for coming on, Vinny. It was great to have you. Zach, great chatting with you again. And uh, we got to get you back on my show sometime soon to push this show. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Believe what you guys are doing. Awesome. All right, Vinny, we're good. All right. Hey, folks. Thanks again for tuning in to the Human Performance Outliers podcast. Just a couple quick notes before you leave. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at hpopodcast at gmail.com. That's hpopodcast at gmail.com. We're both also on social media. On Twitter, you can find me at ZBitter. That's at Z-B-I-T-T-E-R. And you can find Sean at SBakerMD. That's at S-B-A-K-E-R-M-D. We're both also on Instagram where you can find me at Zach Bitter. That's at Z-A-C-H-B-I-T-T-E-R. And for Sean, it's at Sean Baker, 1967. That's at S-H-A-W-N-B-A-K-E-R-1967. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast.